Good, I almost say good morning. I'm so excited about today's show. Good evening. Welcome to She Said What. Of course, you know, I'm your host, Alan M. Newman Jr. And welcome to episode three. You guys who have been here before, you know exactly how we do on season two. Um, there's a list of topics that we would talk to with about with our guest of the hour. If you're listening to the recording, please make sure you go onto YouTube and look us up at He Said What Network. Hit the like and subscribe and also share it to your friends and family so we can gain report, support, and you can be on here with us on a weekly basis. Now, without further ado, my lady of the hour is Miss Lakita. I'm so excited to have her here. As you can tell, I'm super pumped about this episode. Lakita, how are you doing today? Um, all is well. I can't com- I can't complain, so I'm blessed. How about you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. It's hump day. It's Wednesday. Yes. We're yes. almost one step closer to the weekend, so you know we got that out the way. Um, hopefully you enjoyed your holiday weekend. I know it was short for me. It was non-existent. Just had one day off, um, but I'm excited for what we are here to talk about, and we're going to go ahead and dive into it, Lakita. Um, so our first topic for the um, hour is What are some issues in the Black community that we are either failing to address or intentionally ignoring? You ready? I'm ready. I'm ready. Let's let's go. Um, First thing first, I would definitely say the upbringing. It's too many times that we overlook the accountability that is needed um, because so so often we have people who are raised incorrectly and they go out into community, in society, into the workforce and think that they're privileged to be treated as such. And when they can't handle rejection, then we have domestic violence. Then we have um, workplace violence and things of that nature because people are not um, where they need to be far as emotional intelligence and understanding that... Um, you share this space. This is a whole world. You share this space and your views are your views and mm-hmm. you're supposed to respect that. But in a shared space, um, you have to meet the middle ground. And a lot of us, we don't like to talk about accountability. Um, it is what it is. Stop judging me and all of this kind of lingo and all this talk. And at the end of the day, we keep saying go fummies. At the end of the day, we keep saying funerals. At the end of the day, we always talking about free this one and free that one. And it's like, where's the accountability before this led up to this? When it escalated and it's out of control and you're facing a life sentence. Mm-hmm. You know, some things are preventable. You know, some things we can prevent. And, you know, we're not taking the action steps to do that because we're too busy Um mothers a lot of times and i'm not talking about all mothers don't at me don't come for me but i am talking about you know we have that culture in our community where people are saying hey um i want my youth back i had my child young i did this i did that so you have mothers and sons and daughters in the club together And so, you know, we have some issues that we need to address and some trauma that we need to unbind. And we're not unbinding that trauma. And we're conceiving out of trauma and it's generational. So we are just laying up there and making kids with people and not even looking at the DNA sequence of that, not understanding the culture of that family that you're merging your DNA with. Ooh, so, ah, girl, you came out flying with the punches right now. Um, I actually want to piggyback off that last part because um, I remember growing up, one of the biggest things my parents talked about is 
you need to look at the genetics of the person you're trying to deal with. You need to look at exactly what they were going on. You need to understand, was that person mom or dad an alcoholic? Was grandma or granddad an alcoholic? Was grandma or granddad a womanizer? Was, was your or mental illness? Or mental illness. You know, that's uh, some of those are genetics. So mm-hmm. we don't even look at that and we just go to conceive and just boom, bam. And then we we, we, we wondering why at 12 years old, little Timmy just then flipped out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And do you... What do you think is the biggest, because one thing, those who follow my platform, they know I'm a big advocate for therapy um, because I have a therapist that I meet with once a week, um, once a month. Um, What do you think is the cause of a lot of black people? Yes, Stephanie. Yes. Wanting, not wanting to take advantage of therapy, not willing to go and do that. Do you think it's because of the negative outlook their family may look at it? Because you know, as well as I do, when we're young, as soon as you think someone's mentally not there, there goes crazy Sally down the street. Black people tend to like make jest of the situation and not take it serious until something detrimental happens in that family. Because we laugh through our pain. That's just a survival mechanism that we utilize in guerrilla warfare, you know. And so we are in the trenches and always have been since, you know, we was brought to America. Mm-hmm. But just thinking about that, um, I think that it's a little bit of both. And I'm going to cut the cookie both ways. And I think that um, we don't like the truth. Okay. We don't like the truth. We don't like to face the truth because sometimes um, that, that, that toxic environment and sometimes that negativity is all that we have. And that is what we view as love. And so if we're getting any type of attention, regardless to what it is, of we're constantly upset about something, it's, it's a reaction. You know, it's an emotion that is invoked. And we we tend to think that that is okay because something is there. And the other half of it is the stigma that is associated with mental illnesses. It's the stigma that is, okay, now, you know, she's deemed crazy on paper. And, you know, I believe in therapy. I believe in crystals. I believe in all of the chakras. And I also believe in cussing somebody out if need be. And... <laughs> And, and 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 still praying on a Sunday, um, you know, and that's just me because I do believe that it's called balance. But we do have that taboo, um, especially if you think about two generations prior to us. You know, when someone um, developed dementia, they would say, "Oh, they see now. Oh, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it." You know, and that was something that could have been preventable had they, you know, been either taking any meds or had a different, um, you know, aspect on life for as knowing about the disease or educating themselves. But, yeah, we tend to like to want to pray it away. And I'm not saying that prayer does not work, um, that does not work. But, you know, we also do know that the creator gave us doctors for a reason. <laughs> it exists for a reason to use it. And and you make a valid point since we're bringing in the church um, because those who follow Ooh, me, bring it, bring uh, it, bring it. Yeah, those who follow me know I am a PK. Uh, my mom is a pastor, and one thing she advocates is if your doctor has you on your meds, you need to be taking your medication. You need to be doing your therapy. Too many times we're quick to pin, oh, that's the devil. That's da 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 da, and it's a mental imbalance, a chemical imbalance with the person. Um, And I think that's the biggest issue we run into in the black community, especially when it comes to Christianity and being in the church. We're quick to plug everything as it's the devil that's doing it, not realizing that you can simply be born with the born with the defect. That medication just has to be there to balance it. 
extra um, chromosome, whatever. Yeah. All exactly. And I also feel like in the black community, not knocking parents, because it I understand yeah. it's tough, it's tough dealing with kids, but I also don't believe in the black community. We take it as seriously um when our children are deemed as well. This person is um, I remember in high in middle school, we used to call them the LD class, learning disability class. Um, sometimes, and it's a bad stigma because I don't think all parents are like that, but they're quick to say, oh, they're only saying that to get their child a check. They're only saying this because it's just easier for them to deal with it by saying, oh, throw them in front of a television. Um, I'm a prime example. When I was five, when I was four, they diagnosed me um, and put me on Ritalin. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. I, used to, I was a huge advocate against that. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I know the long term effects of that type of psychotropic medication. And yeah, I, ooh, that, that was, was my heart was, when you said that. Yeah. It, it was crazy. I believe my mom said I was only on it for a year because um, at that time we, was staged, we were in the military, we were stationed in Germany. And so my ooh, babysitter, yeah, yeah, my babysitter told my parents, she was like, every time Alan comes after school, he sits in the corner, just looks at the wall when I give him the written. She was like, that's not him. That's not normal. You don't need to take it. And I'm glad uh, that she was an advocate for you because she could have been totally against it, making her job easier. And so God bless her wherever she may be. Exactly. exactly. Generation and, that she and I never, I never yeah. forget. I know my mom uh, laughed when she listened. Her name was Miss Sweeney. I never forget her. Um, <laughs> and my dad sat there and told him we're going to take him off. Um, Because my dad's biggest argument was, how you saying he can't learn, but he's front of this Nintendo and he knows it inside and out. So how are you going to tell him my child can't learn? How are you going to tell him my child's slow? And sometimes we just don't realize as parents and individuals, your child may learn differently. Yeah. Your child may be more advanced in one thing and kind of not advanced in something else. So you need to steer them towards their strongest point. And sometimes we completely miss that. We're just stuck on, oh, my God, I need them to behave. Oh, my God, I need them to be quiet. Oh, my God, I need them to do this. I want and them to sit down. But hear this. I want them to sit down and be still as kids when they're learning. And learning and involves adventures and all of that and, and, and being inquisitive. But you got all this time and patience for what's laying in your bed not producing, though. Exactly. That part. Exactly. That part exactly. right there. Exactly. That's the part right there. Yeah, you mm-hmm. have time and all the patience and love and understanding, but you won't. You'll medicate your child though, but you you'll sit up there with your blow and just let him run through it. You know, <laughs> you'll sit there and just let him run. You know, no, and that's a thing for me. That's a thing for me because I need you to keep that same energy. I need that mm-hmm. energy to match because mm-hmm. what you're saying and what you're doing to your child, you know, the child is 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 looking at that. You know, exactly. you have a lot of patience exactly. when he go and take your car and come back and it's on E, <laughs> you know, and you smacking your child for eating another juicy juice or some extra Skittles or he didn't flipped off your sofa and you upset. Mm-hmm. But, you know, your neighbor was in your car. Facts, 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 facts. <laughs> you preaching because hey, it's, so, it's, it's so true because I don't even think. Um, a lot of I'm not I don't want to say we don't think about it. Sometimes I think we kind of try to ignore ignore certain things just so we don't have to deal with it. Yeah. Um, and then that that compounds the issue as that person gets older. Because could you imagine the mental effect it has on a child that you're being told that you're slow? You've been hearing that since you was little. You're supposed to be on medication. You can't get nothing right. You can't do this. You can't do that. And yeah. then we want to release you 
into the adult world and expect you to be a productive citizen. And we haven't done nothing to help build you up. We haven't done nothing to help you with your motor skills. We haven't done nothing for you to find your niche in society. And then if you end up going the wrong way in society, now it's a problem. Now it's why wasn't nobody here? Why wasn't nobody putting in the effort? Why wasn't nobody doing this and that? And then it's like, because nobody took the time to deal with this person. No one took the time to find out what makes them click. No one took the time to find out what they love. And I have to say for myself, I was definitely blessed with some nosy teachers who need who want to make sure that Alan's not sitting here being put in the wrong thing. Um, I know on our first uh, first episode for here, I talked about the fact that they had me in a learning disability class when mm-hmm. we, uh, my parents were stationed in California. And the class that I was in, the, the teacher called my parents in and said, why is Alan in this class? He's in the fifth grade reading on an eighth grade level. That doesn't make any sense. Why do we have him in this class and he doesn't need to be in it? I had a whole teacher, black teacher, Miss Cartwell. The reason why Alan is like this, he finishes his home, his schoolwork before everybody else. It's not that he's dumb. It's not that he doesn't know how to sit still. He's bored because he's waiting for everybody else to catch up. You have to have people in roles to understand and handle children properly, especially black children exactly. when it comes to yeah. these issues. Because sometimes... We we expect black people, and I may bother a little people. Some people, what am I about to say? We tend yeah, to treat yeah, black right. people like they this color. Yeah. yeah, black black kids do not think the way they do. Every child is different. Every child interacts. You may expect little Johnny to sit still while you're doing an hour dialogue. How do you expect a four year old to sit through an hour dialogue and and not do anything? Not be bored. Not want to sit there and ask questions. That you're literally asking. You have grown adults. Who can't even do that? Can't even sit for an hour and be focused on one thing. So it's you can't definitely- sit ten minutes on a Zoom. You, we are zoomed out in this pandemic. We can't even. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So it's really, it's really wild when you see because I do believe mental illness is a big issue yes. in the black community yes. um, that we failed to address. I think another issue that we failed to address before we go to our next topic is domestic violence. Yeah, I feel like that's a big thing that we don't talk about in the black community. Um, if a lot of y'all who are listening, you probably remember, mm, probably like October or November, there was a video that went viral of some young ladies that a guy asked them, I guess he was trying to get the young lady's number. Um, they rejected him and he pulled the gun out on them. Um, a lot of that is going on, and you really don't hear a lot of people discuss it. Um, now for you, what, what do you think is the reason that they don't go in depth about it? Do you think it's just they don't feel we feel like nothing is going to be done because it's people of color? Um, do you feel like it's just something we're used to? Um, and this actually segues to our next topic, which is crime and culture. I think that it's um, it's, it's heavy. It's a lot to unpack. Mm-hmm. Um, and we can start with the pandemic um, just because it's been going on for two plus years now. And we can look at people had to shelter in place with people who they don't want to be with. Um People tend to marry who they don't want to be with, who they're unhappy with over time. Um, masks come off. And so you see an individual as who they really, truly are. And um, so many layers um, in upbringing. You know, when you have a person that was raised in an abusive household, it's at least 60 to 70% that that person will either be a victim of domestic violence or uh, the aggressor 
in the case of domestic violence. And we can think about, I don't know the young lady name, but Lord God, I, I send so much love and healing to her children. Um, it was a young black couple thriving in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And the wife was on Facebook Live talking about she needed some prayer. She just got a brand new Maserati. She's in a $2.5 million home. Mm-hmm. Um, she was an influencer. She killed her and her um, her husband. And they had eight kids. Wow. You know, we got to take the mask off, even on social media. You see me, I'm here with a hoodie, you know, and I'm representing, you know, a, a dear close friend of mine, a legend. But I'm, I have this hoodie on because so many people see me in the spaces and I occupy and I'm the heels, the glasses. I have my contacts on. So I'm doing my extra blinking. <laughs> but... but um and, and the suits and advocating and and you know um testifying in, whether it's in front of Congress or um you know on on a state level and they used to seeing me because my organization that's what we do promote mental wellness for minority women we also advocate for black and brown communities um across the board with any type of barriers right so when you look at that and you think about you know how do we address domestic violence? How do we, it's all tied to, you know, mental illnesses. It's all tied to people um, and their upbringing and people feeling like it's okay. I can't tell you the amount of times that growing up in New Orleans, I've seen black mothers uh, tell their sons, whether it was a female or a male, if they hit you, hit them back. Now I was raised that same way, but you know, as a child, when we hear hit, and it's okay, and I'm not getting popped, I'm going to go slapping on everybody. I'm just trying exactly. everybody for anything. I'm cussing <laughs> teachers out because my mama said it was okay. And that's exactly. not the nature of the beast, and that's just not the way things work in a, in, a, in, in, a, in an environment with Jim Crow laws where the law is not even written for us. So we're going to get everything, and plus some, when we're held accountable for our actions or our crimes, mm-hmm. you know? So that's that's just the nature of um, thinking about domestic violence and and why, you know, like I said, there's so many reasons um, why people don't leave children. They're scared. You know, it takes someone seven times to actually leave. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the seven times is the most deadly. And we've seen the numbers here in Louisiana is up by 56 percent since the pandemic of domestic disputes. Women are killing men. Men are killing women. Children are killing their parents. Mm-hmm. We are seeing it all in Louisiana. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, man, yeah, I've seen, I've seen like when I've looked at about how it can be in New Orleans, New Orleans like Louisiana is definitely catching it. Um, now, I have noticed twice you've mentioned accountability. So yeah. when we're dealing with like crime and culture, how how can we, and I feel like for me, it starts with the men. It starts for the black men in our community. Yeah. But how can how can we be more accountable when it comes to domestic violence? Because like you said, it's, it takes some people seven times before they actually leave and leave permanently. How can you be accountable if you know what's going on? Because um, I And I've actually asked some black men about this and their, their feedback is the only reason I don't reach out to protect somebody from domestic violence is because, oh, you know, Alan, they're probably going to go back to that person. Or, you know, Alan, I'm not trying to get killed because I'm trying to protect somebody who doesn't want to leave. Yeah. How can we be accountable without being too afraid of what the perceived consequences could be, um, especially for men when it comes to domestic violence? Because I, I think for men who, for someone to say, it's very hard for me to hear a man say they've never known anybody that's been in a domestic violence situation. Yeah. Um, I feel like out of, I know two people 
um, that I know who have been in a domestic violence situation, whether I knew from their information or just knew from hearing down the, the vine about it. So when it comes to protecting women and children and Black men when it comes to domestic violence, what are the steps of being accountable that you think we can play as men to be able to help in that situation? I think it starts in your circle. It starts on that night that y'all are having guys night and y'all are kicking in and you hear um, the aggression in one of your boys tone when he's talking to his lady and he's looking for you guys to laugh and to join forces and to fuel him when you need to pull him to the side and say, that's not what's up. Because I guarantee you, you talking to her crazy right now, but there's going to be somebody that's sending that text or sending those flowers to that office or doing something on the side that you're not doing to men, that behavior. And then when you see that she's stepping out, you feeling some type of way. And because we love to be retaliatory against each other, that we come in and now you feel disrespected, but you wasn't looking at two years when you were being verbally aggressive and abusive to her, because that is one of the number one um, ways people are abused. It starts with um, mental and, and, and verbal abuse. You know, even if it's, it's even if we're talking about body consciousness or you're talking about um, her work hours or if she wants to um, improve her education, go to college or do things of that nature. You start to see where the jealousy comes in at when um, and a lot of times when men deal with alpha females. I'm an alpha female, so I know firsthand from dealing with domestic disputes in my past. And, you know, this this guy, you know, we, we dated. And he was upset because, yeah, I mean, I'm 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 New Orleans to the bone bristle. So, you know, I'm gonna, you know, indulge in all of the culture. But at the end of the day, I was still a person that was international and I saw past just the city limits of New Orleans. I've always been a big dreamer. I don't even know what the sky is. I'm beyond space, I'm beyond galactic, you know, and so um that's always been who i was and my vision. So a lot of people could not relate to that. And so for that. Um, the only thing that they could do was try to shut me down. And he was big at that. You know, I had a very important job, really nice job in New Orleans. And, you know, he would come there and, and curse and curse my coworkers out and do things of that nature wow. because he wanted to be the male. But all he was selling was nickel bags. You weren't no boss. You wasn't, you wasn't no boss. You weren't even bringing in no real money. And you were sitting up here. But that ego and his friends fed that. They said in the car. So it goes back to accountability. Always. That's always going to be my favorite A word. Other mm -hmm. than, but you know, but that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but yeah. that. Well, accountability, you know, because we sit there in the midst of things and we don't say anything. So can I talk about the women? Because the accountability is the same way. When my grandmother was there for her tribe, she was a matriarch in the city of New Orleans. When my grandmother done what she needed to do, let me tell you something. When we went home, when we rolled home, when we got home, there was no talking about, yeah, I had to look out for Tasha, Tasha, old raglass. I had to do this. I had to do that. She this and that. It wasn't no talking. It was prayer. It was fasting going on. It was mentorship going on. It was how can we get to the next level? It was absolutely no. I'm talking about she done that with no one. And as a child, I'm sitting up there and I'm watching. I'm like, this woman a gold. This woman a real deal. This woman, she loved these people. She's loyal to these people. 
And, you know, those are the type of things that we need to do. We need to be those individuals. We need to be real. And we need to hold our people accountable. And she would tell our people all the time, I love you to death, but you're wrong. You know, and we don't do that. We laugh. And when we laugh, what they do, lights, camera, action. And here they go. They Kevin Hart. They start it up. You know, they start it up. And then look how, look how it ends. Because I'm going to tell you right now, I got a few friends sitting right here by me. So you're not going to put your hands on me. You're not about to talk to me crazy. You're not going to put your hands on me because it's going to go off and at any given time, you know, and that's just where a lot of women are. They're not going to accept that abuse. They're not going to take those things. And the same with men. You know, the mm-hmm. same way with me. Facts. You already know Miss Williams' facts. So <laughs> it's just it's just not going to happen in any capacity, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think that we need to get back to the 101. And, and that's being real. And when we see things that makes us uncomfortable, we need to leave from in that circle. Because mm-hmm. any time that someone makes me uncomfortable by the way they treat the person that they lay their head with, I'm not fooling with you. Mm-hmm. I'm not fool because I know what you'll do to me because that's your love right there. Mm-hmm. So I know what I'm what you know what I'm up against. Mm-hmm. And you know, real recognize real. So I'm gonna go ahead on, I'm gonna let y'all, you know, but I can't, but I'm gonna tell you first. You know, I am gonna have that conversation and you know, protecting our kids. When we think about the kids, the kids watch everything that we do. Okay. So we have this high number, and the number is over 64% in the state of Louisiana for um during a pandemic for as child abuse okay so what you think is happening there you know the cases are going up by the day and then we have exhausted workers state and federal wide that don't even know how to investigate these cases because people lie on resumes and everything else or get jobs for money and then they realize that it's more work than pay and they're not invested in the interest of protecting our children you know and so we have these women that deal with these men, leave these kids with, the, with, with these men. We see this over and over and over again and vice versa. And you see what's happening. When in a black community have we ever seen a case where so many cases where black men are killing their own kids and killing their girlfriend's kids? Mm-hmm. So That's something true. is going on. Mm-hmm. But it's up to us. It's up to us. And I mean, until we get our tribe together, we're going to always be divided, you know, Mm -hmm. and we are not we're not we're not achieving anything by being divided like that and looking at the children. And then we're raising those children. And it's just we don't have any principles, any morals. And we just like our creeds in life. You know, I'm an 80s baby. You know, I'm 40 years old. Right. And I'm proud, I'm proud to say it. You know, I'm 40 and proud, honey. And, you know, it came with a lot of wisdom. But I was raised in a two-parent household with people who had been in love for 43 years. You know, and so they knew. They made their mistakes. They knew how to get it right. But they also talked about that. How do you navigate through that? You know, we don't like to do that. We don't like to say, you know what? I fucked up. That's a fact. That's a fact. That's a fact. But I'm going to fix it. We don't do that. We don't like to have that conversation. And I think so much that it's impacted by the children. You know the acronym on Tupac's Mm -hmm. stomach, Thug Life, what that really truly means. Yeah. Yeah. You know, what it really means. What it really means. You know, because the, the children are impacted by that. 
Mm-hmm. And when we when we when we don't do right amongst ourselves, we're raising that child in another generation that's that's going to be divisive. That's going to look at women and 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 women looking at men as enemies. You know. Mm-hmm. Can I can I get the offering plate? You can. Because <laughs> you you just ate it up and spit it out and everything. Um, matter of fact, I don't even want to start on our next topic yet because you done came and killed it. So everyone, we're actually going to go to our commercial break for the night. Um, and then we're going to come back with Miss Lakita as she's spitting out all these facts and words of wisdom <laughs> on the conclusion of the matter tonight on She Said What. See you in a bit. Where you get your hip hop from? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's up? This tribal trigger trench in the building. You already know. Nip, 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 nip. Naughty. Hey. Redman is in the building, of course. Jersey's finest, all about them bars, marijuana smoker. Hey, PSA announcement. I need everybody go support. That's right, support my fucking state, my city. Heritage Hip Hop, a New Jersey media source that celebrates New Jersey hip hop worldwide. Facts. Please subscribe to Heritage Hip Hop on social media. That is Heritage Hip Hop on social media. What up, y'all, man? It's your boy, Do It All, Do Pray Kelly, right here on Heritage Hip Hop, man. Look, man, let me tell you something. Make sure you support Heritage Hip Hop, because without these brothers bringing you hip hop, we're not going to stay informed, man, the way that we need to stay informed, man. And they're not just giving you hip hop, man. They're giving you the heritage of hip hop, right here, man. Yo, Karev, I see you! Heritage Hip Hop, man. Let's do it. It ain't nothing like Heritage Hip Hop. Welcome, welcome back to She Said What. Please make sure that you like us on our YouTube page and subscribe at the He Said What Network. Of course, we are on here with the lovely Miss Lakita. If you was on before we went to the break, she just totally shut it down and broke it apart and brought it back up. Um, We were talking about protecting our men, women, and children in the Black community. I still feel like it's a lot to unpack, so we're about to go right back to it um, before we get to our next topic. I want to talk about the part you were saying about the family dynamic. You mentioned about the fact that you grew up in a two-parent home. I grew up in a two-parent home. I'm an 80s baby. And I tell a lot of people, I feel like a lot of families don't tell the truth about the dynamics in their family. I was just talking to a friend the other day about the fact, the thing I appreciated from my mom and my father was they were honest. They talked about the ups and downs of when they got married. They talked about the ups and downs in the middle of their marriage. Like they was pretty much blunt about this is what happened. We made this mistake. We had to fight through it and we had to learn to improve on it. You got to make sure family is important. That was one thing my dad was big on. He was like, my family is important. At the end of the day, I got to protect and make sure you are, you guys are good. And I feel like in the black community, and this isn't for all black people in the community, but that is something we are missing. You're missing that standard that fathers, and I know my dad did. I don't know if I can speak for everybody else, but he was big on J-R-U-R, going to be the man in the family eventually. You got to understand that if I'm not here, this is what you need to do. You need to protect your mother. You need to protect your sister. Though he was a big advocate for, as far as he was concerned, if you was a black woman, I'm going to I'm going to hell and back for you. I'm not about to sit there and let you get dragged down by something if I can stop it. Yeah. And I feel like that is something that is missing in the black community, especially with our young men and our young boys. Because the respect factor for black women, to me, it seems like it's a struggle. 
um, when it comes to black men, black men. And I also know it can it can contribute to if you're not having that proper example. Um, now, when talking about that, um, Lakita, how do you think we can help the single mothers, especially who have boys? How can we help them to be able to usher their boys not just into being functioning adults, but functioning black men in adulthood to be not just protective, productive part of society, but to be advocates to protecting black men and women and not fall into the stigma of that's not my responsibility if she's not. Because, you know, a lot of men, if I'm not getting nothing out of it, I'm not going to protect them. Yeah. Um, this is probably going to be the favorite part of this interview because being a village, being a village, being a village to a single mother without trying to have ulterior motives. Yeah, she fine. She might be fine as hell, but keeping it professional and really being a mentor to that child and not having a hidden agenda and being a true role model. One that's not getting indicted on charges because you know what happened with black political leadership. You know, a lot of us get indicted when we do um, get a seat at the table and, you know, be able to do something. We in, end up getting indicted or in some type of sex scandal or, or something of that nature. But really being a product of sowing seeds back into the community, reinvesting back into our communities um, intentionally. And, and making sure that these kids really have mentors to look up to, not somebody that's just smiling for the cameras. And, you know, that's what is needed. Um, and then that helps mom, you know, kind of rediscover herself and look at what am I doing wrong? Because sometimes accountability is not having a conversation, but actually um, as, as an act of love. You know, it's your actions. It's how you're moving. It's how things are going, you know, with the mentorship and, and the connection of what the child is going through, because the product is going to show through that child's improvement. And, you know, mom don't have, a, you know, no other choice but to, you know, get on board if she's lacking. And I think that we all have growth and we can all grow together. But as a village, we have to go back to being a village, you know. We have to go back to agape love and understanding what that means. Mm -hmm. But being that village. Now, it's a good, this is a good question because you're talking about being a village. Yeah. So I know in the 80s, early 90s, 70s, everyone was quick to, I remember stories my dad would tell. He's out in the street and Miss Sally would say, boy, you know you're not supposed to be out here. You better get back to that house before your mom get over there and tear you up. And now I feel like we live in a society now where if you try and be that person to correct somebody's child, you might end up being in a fight. No, no, um, no retaliation. Mm -hmm. Retaliatory mm -hmm. violence has um, escalated to the point of we come and shoot everybody up. Mm -hmm. We shooting everybody. We ain't asking no questions. All on the interstate. We just shooting. Mm -hmm. um, so I am going to say this. And you mentioned being um, raised in a two parent household and about, um, you know, having that example. Man, my grandparents were amazing. I thank the Lord for them every single day because I had liberty and freedom. And that was my greatest teacher. You know, I, I made a few mistakes, but overall I was very well-rounded because I came from two very strong individuals. And I'm going to tell you right now, my grandparents will tell you, if she's doing something, call us, but don't put your hands on my girl. 
Mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you right now. So it was a little different mm-hmm. <laughs> because they mm-hmm. knew if I was doing something that it possibly was not my fault or something was going on. And they would allow me to, you know, plead my case. And I'm telling you, at five, they was like, just go ahead on and be that attorney because you got it. You know, you got it. <laughs> like, get out of shit. Go ahead. Just go ahead. You know, but, you know, true. True mm-hmm. be told, you know, and um, I think that so many times that people know we know our children and we know but it's a reflection of us and we know we not doing right so mm-hmm. then here comes the ego you know the ego is mm-hmm. is the biggest you know um demon of them all among us because we don't know how to humble ourselves and say let the village do the work mm-hmm. let the village do the work let us come and help you and i've, I've seen it firsthand i can't even i can't make this up i've seen it firsthand and in, in my family you know, I've seen it and, you know, I, I recognize some 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 warning signs, the red flags um, as young as two years old. And by nine, it was over. But I had been preaching since this child was two years old, you know. And so we do have to listen to the village, um, even if it's with a grain of salt. We understand that that's your child, but something is going on. And we always say, let let us make the correction before the police or 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 the or the coroner or um the funeral home is asking, um how can we refigure this face? How can we fix this exactly. face so it can look like him? So y'all can have a service, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it goes right back to the one hundred and one of survival, you know, mm-hmm. being a village like we was in our native land and understanding mm-hmm. that, you know, we came over here and now we're Americanized and we just as crazy as them, you know. <laughs> it's true. It's true. It's going bad. on in Walmart shooting people. When we done that? Yeah, that's a fact. That's when, a fact. when I mean, we wasn't even suicidal. We'll kill somebody before we kill, we kill ourselves. ourselves. Yep. We doing it all. Look, mm-hmm. even our kids. You know, okay, oh, oh, I can't have no Jordans. Okay, nine o'clock, I'm shooting everybody. When, when, we, when, you know, when have we done that? And so just looking at not allowing um, the propaganda on TV to raise our children, you know, we, 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 we making a lot of mistakes and we don't want to take back. We don't want to take that. We don't want to take that lick, but we seeing what it's producing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And even speaking about seeing how it's producing. Do you feel like we have become accustomed in a generation to rely on technology to raise our kids? Because if you go now, if you go to the store, you go out somewhere, a child has an iPad, they have an iPhone, they're watching Coco Melon or whatever um, for five, six, seven, eight hours a day and not really getting the proper attention um, with their parents um, yeah. when it comes to education or just using their imagination. Yeah. Um, of course, you know, being an 80s baby, it was quick for our parents to throw us outside and be, and be like, go out there and do something to that sun. Get, don't, don't let that sun hit the, uh, don't let those lights come on though before you get in that house. Let me tell you, the lights used to come on, the sun would come up, I was still gone. I was something. But <laughs> that's another story. <laughs> but I was trusted because they knew what they had raised. And and so I say that to say is definitely a gift and a curse mm-hmm. because um, I'm in a circle, a tribe of women of great people 
who believe, I mean, like, because as far as I can remember, people have doulas. I've been a doula since I was 19 years old. Okay. You know, okay. I've been in the delivery rooms, you know. And so um, just understanding of when I learned that anybody in the tribe was pregnant, you know, I was going straight to the library to get the books. We about to educate this baby right here in the womb. You about to hear my voice. And it's been plenty of times they came out smiling. I'm like, TT, keep it. I was me feeding you, you know, feeding you that knowledge. And, you know, and so planting those seeds very, very early on, because the brain is is an intellect that is just, it gravitates to knowledge and it feeds and it desires and it's hungry for more and more, right? And so thinking about that, you know, um, we just, we just, and, and, and again, it's getting back to love and loyalty because we're here together and we cannot do this alone. We can't do this alone. And we absolutely cannot, um, turn down the help because people get burned out and you know that that's true. You know, we, we get burned out on this. And so, you know, everybody that's watching, you know, just share this with somebody because, you know, we need to get back to, you know, being a real tribe, you mm-hmm. know, and understanding um, what what loyalty is and, and what love truly is. And, mm-hmm. you know, how you may love six or seven, but understanding how you treat that six or seven makes a difference and the mm-hmm. impact. And then, you know, it constantly, you know, pays forward. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That, yeah, that's very true. I think love is important. Love is yeah. definitely a key component, especially in the black community. Yeah. Um, because I've always told people I feel like out of all nationalities, I feel like black people are the most passionate when it comes to love. Um, compared we so to so forgiving. We so mm-hmm. we so forgiving. We stood up there next to Trump, Kanye. We was we so <laughs> forgiving. We instantly we just we just so we forget so fast, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. We, we don't stay mad long, we just forget and just go to loving it. You mm-hmm. know, oh, you know, he old, you know, he he now Trump ain't racist, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, we do all of that, and then we had the two black women, you know, we you know that oh, was yeah, yeah, the sisters, <laughs> yep. <laughs> and it's true, like and that's that's why it's so funny when you hear people talk, want to mention about how violent black community is and yeah. black on black crime and all this foolishness. But when you truly, if you are from a black neighborhood and you notice black people are very loving, black very. people are very forgiving, very. Um, black people are quick to, you may have done this, but you know what? I'm going to sweep this under the rug and give you another chance. Because sometimes I look at the people we don't gave multiple chances to and I'm like, we need to stop. Like, like when, when does it stop? When we keep giving second, second and third, fourth and fifth chances, especially when it's biting you in the butt. So that that is very true in the community um, with the love that black people have. Um, also, when it comes to raising children, um, as we as a village, um, how important do you believe the educational system is? For that, and when I'm saying this, we all know not everybody goes to college. Some people that yeah. once they graduate from high school, they go do something different. Um, I remember um, as a kid, the the advocate was college, 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 Christ, college. Yeah. Um, and then we tend we had tend to those who didn't go to college, we kind of try to throw them to the side, not realizing they're just as important. Because when you look at stuff and you start finding out plumbers and electricians and all these other people who don't have degrees are making, if not more, if not the same, more than people that are working at 14,500 companies, you start realizing, yes, an education is valuable. But how do you let your child know that, hey, 
this is what we would like for you to do, but we we will respect the fact if you go this direction as long as you're being productive as a child in the education field. Listen, I'm gonna go back to my family Bible. Um, I'm so enriched with so many lessons um, throughout the years. Um, and we had an option of going to school. We were homeschooled as well. Okay. So, I mean, and so it the whole village stepped up. You know, um, we were taught multiple languages at a very young age. Um, I played the violin, the flute, um, black belt and karate, like gymnastics, the whole nine yards, debutant, um, queen of the ball, you know, the whole nine yards, the tea parties, and I still had tags and would still curse you out because I knew the streets <laughs> as well. I was taught the streets as well because, I mean, you know, you can't jump off the porch green, especially in the city of New Orleans. And I also, I just have to let you know, we say the state of New Orleans. We don't really say Louisiana. It's okay, New Orleans, okay. New Orleans. Like New York, New York. We claim the whole entire state. Gotcha, and so gotcha. just so that you know. <laughs> <laughs> just so you know that. But however, I think that honestly, um, and, and this is it, this is so important and it's and it's sad. Um, you know, we're ranked dead last in the US for education, healthcare, mm. and women are leading. And in deaths, um, far as, as maternity deaths, like the maternal health, we are number one. And black women are dying at an alarming rate. One out of five are not coming home from that delivery room. So it goes right on with being a doula and also homeschooling. We are dying. We are dying as it relates to knowledge, you know, because that's a spiritual um uh, food and, and, and a fast that we can't afford to starve from. We are perishing from a lack of knowledge. We are dying. I mean, when you think of it in every aspect, it's so important that we are educated because I'm an entrepreneur and I believe in entrepreneurship to the core, to the bone bristle. And I knew that very early on. I had my first tattoo at 12. And of course, I told you I, I will always negate the fact of everything. And so um, I came home and my grandparents were like, yeah, so what are you planning on doing? And, you know, I was like, I'm not worried about these white folks. I'm going to be an entrepreneur. And it was like, what? <laughs> 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 Thank you, Stephanie. <laughs> like, what? Like, what did you say? I was like, yeah, I'm going to do this. And I had a plan. So that's the thing. I'm a solutionist. You know, um, even though I'm a nerd in, in by heart and nature because I love research and numbers and reading and reading and reading, mm -hmm. I am a solutionist. So what happens next? So I made sure that I equipped myself to be educated enough to run a successful business and what that looks like, you know, moving forward and how to come up with strategies and programming and things of that nature to have a thriving business and also how to market and pivot. You know, and that's something that, you know, we're not taught. We're not taught when all else fails. What do we do? Yes, we have faith and we call on God. But, you know, faith without actions and works, you know, it's just dead. You know, it's just meaning meaningless words. And so how do we do that in education? By all means, at some forward, because we need to know, you know, how to incorporate our business, how to do our business taxes, how to do all the things that we need to do as that plumber. Because if we go in somebody's house and mess up and we have a really nice house and a nice car, they're coming for everything we have if we're not 
LLC bonded and secured and everything else, right? Mm -hmm. So just knowing the dynamics of business does come with education, whether that's homeschool or you learn it from the community. But our elders are tired. We disrespect them. We make fun of them. We make memes out of them. We do all the things that we're not supposed to do. And then we're wondering why they're not helping us because they come from a different culture and they want to be respected. You know, in the Asian um, community, you can't even look an elder in the eye. You're not even supposed to look them in the, in the eye. And, 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 and I know in Nigeria, uh, every other generation attends a funeral because you can't even attend a funeral because you don't even have enough knowledge mm. to be in a room with the elders. So it's every other generation. So I guess. I'm not going to do that because I don't want them coming for me, but I know, <laughs> but okay. Every other generation is smart, I guess. I don't know. They did the math, but that's mm -hmm. how, that's their culture. And I'm not going to disrespect it because I know they'll come for me. They know me. Mm -hmm. So I don't want, I don't want no, no peas at my neck. Or nothing <laughs> <else>. <laughs> you know, I don't want none of that happening. So I'm just, you know, I'm but, leave but it you, know you know, what's funny because we are on the topic talking about education now, but the respect, fact that yeah. you talked about the respect factor, um, I used to tell everybody before um, my father passed, I'm 6'4", he's 6'1". Okay. I'm 37. Okay. And people used to laugh because he'll say something. I'm like, yes, sir. No, sir. Mom, yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. And people used to be like, you you grown. I was like, I don't care how grown I am, how old I get. As long as those two are living, I'm going to still treat them the same way I was treating them when I was a child. And I think that is very true with the older generation that they don't feel respected at all and when we talk about adequate and equal education sometimes i wonder do you think our our generation's smarts is actually being detrimental to us because we're quick to i have this master's degree so this is how you're supposed to handle me i have more knowledge than you or i know more things than you because because the books that i learned in school do you think sometimes that actually affects a lot of what goes on with our community as well Absolutely. It goes right down to the ego. So quick story. Mm -hmm. So um, I do criminal justice reform. And in those spaces, um, I also do um, voter registration for formerly incarcerated individuals. Um, in Louisiana, we have over, over 50,000 that are um, actually um, eligible to vote that are formerly incarcerated. So um, that's been a campaign that I've been on for a few years. Um, it's called Act 636, just educating people and letting them know um, through my senior organizations, my mentors and organizations that support my, um, my personal organization and um, reaching out to the community. And I learned in a lot of spaces that certain people would do those high hobnob um, type of intros and that will make people freeze up. And I noticed me, um, you know, I'm educated, you know, I'm, I'm degreed, what they say, I'm degreed and sad. <laughs> you know, yeah, I, I, I have the braids, but I actually have dreads and it will be in your lobby. So I know you understand that as well. So I'm both worlds. And so I would, I would wear the heels and I, I would sit there and do the statistics and, you know, talk about the research. Um, because I went to a prestigious university. I didn't, um, graduate from an HBCU. Okay. So I went to a PWI and, you know, all of that to say that sometimes we are a hindrance to our own because we want to brag. It goes right back to the source of the ego. Mm -hmm. The ego is, it has to be fed. It's a beast. Mm -hmm. And how do we feed it? By looking down on, at people. You could start about the structure of the, of the courtroom when you go, 
is the judge equal with you? They sitting high, right? Oh yeah, that's right. They are. So all already, already is implanted that I am somebody. I'm over you. Mm -hmm. I'm wearing this all black, and black represents a lot of things. I love black, but it represents new birth, new life, the rebirth, and it also represents death. We know that it's peace, yeah. it's calm, it's a storm, it's mm -hmm. all of that. It's probably what you'll see in a bank if they're robbing, they're pulling up. But mm -hmm. we know we use black for everything. Everything. For yep. Everything. But however, when you're looking at the structure of something so simple as a courtroom, it intimidates our people. And we do that. We do that because whether Willie Lynch is real or not, we do that because of what has been instilled in us, you know, in a reconstruction era, especially during mm -hmm. that time period in the antebellum area, all of that. And we use that against our own people because when we wasn't seeing the numbers that we were supposed to see in registering people, mm -hmm. I started looking at that. I'm like, something is not right. What's going on? What's going on? And I discovered that it was a literacy issue. A lot of people couldn't even fill out the voter registration form. And it's illegal um, because that's, again, you have to be educated to know this. It's illegal to fill it out for someone else. Huh. So you're thinking you help. See, that's why you got to know your stuff, baby. You got to know what you're doing. And so um, just knowing that, but mm -hmm. instead of talking to them in a crowd, bring them by themselves. And so I started seeing more and more people, you know, go ahead and say, yeah, I would like to work. That was my personal experience. And so I utilized mm -hmm. that. You know, they don't have to use all the, all the acronyms and who I am and all this behind my name. Because guess what? At the end of the day, I'm showing up. I'm real and I'm me. You know, and that's why I'm, I'm going to help you as long as you respect me and allow me to help you, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, and I'm going to be there. So, yes, it's detrimental to our people because we the first thing they do. And, you know, even in the churches, Reverend Doctor, he went to hell from Yale <laughs> and this and all of this. And they sitting their ass up there. You know, I mean, this is crazy and, and don't have for nothing. And they sit there. And look, the collar and be so white. They didn't bought the new collar and they sitting up and they say all these introductions. And by that time, the people like, all I did was smoke weed and work at Taco Bell. What I have in common with these people? Yeah. It's unrelatable. And it's a divisiveness, and that's what happens. And you know, that's we back to square one. You know, we're, mm -hmm. we're, we have this huge separation. We're divided. You know, and, and we know that early on, you know, so yeah. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Um, for those who are listening here on She Said What, you guys got a little treat. So we are going to go over um, our nine o'clock time because um, we're going to deal with our final topic, which you've already been piggybacking on right now. Um, and it's the demand for respect. Um, that That's going to be our final topic. And it's interesting because I feel like in our community, the ones who deserve the respect don't get it and the ones who don't deserve the respect get it now in our community what can we do to fix that because like you said it used to be we looked at the older generation and you was like man they don't went through this all this knowledge they have it was one of those you need to listen to what this person has to say because they've been here they've seen this they've done all this i even remember um being little my dad used to say you're gonna be 30 one day you're going to be 40 one day and the stuff I'm telling you is going to come back and you're going to be like, wow. And I laugh because at my job at night, I have a 21 year old that's under me. Ooh. Baby. 
That karma came back. Every <laughs> night, I want to jack her up and toss her out that building. Because every time, I'm like, ma'am, this is what you need to do. No, Alan, I'm going to do it this way. No, ma'am, no, ma'am, no, ma'am. How long you been working? Oh, just since I've been 20. I've been working since I was 16, ma'am. Yeah, I'm yeah. telling you, do it this way and you will be fine. No, nah, I'm going to do it this way. I'm like, okay, come and see me later when you find out I got to do it again. And I'm literally texting my mom and I'm like, mom, if I was anything like this when I was 21, I want to apologize because I could have sworn I knew it all. And this little one is driving me crazy. And mom's like, your dad used to tell you, you're going to be in your 20s and your 30s one day and you'll be looking at people and like, man, mom said this, man, dad said this, man, grandma Ethel said this, man, grandpa Jim said this. So in our community, how can we get the focal point? Because now a lot of time our, our generation of children look at the perceived respect that celebrities have on social media yeah. and all of that stuff. And that's what I want to be. I don't want to be like this individual, even though this person's life might not be as flashy as theirs, but the amount of respect, loyalty, and life teaching and life knowledge you need to make it is what you need to be at. So how can we kind of get our generation to get off the flashiness of what we consider perceived respect and realize this is actually the respect that you want to have and that you want to be associated with in the community? Um, it goes back to my cultural Bible. Mm-hmm. You have to unlearn um, what you have learned and you have to start from scratch and you have to look at that and understand that social media is not real. Those people, you know, have a script to go by. They sit down and they plot. Some of them plot the marriages and they plot the divorces because, hey, if I know I'm going to write two books, then I need... um, a calm and a storm. I need something tragic to happen to me. And you have a lot of people play on a Me Too movement. That was started by a black woman. And what did they do with that? What did they do with that? And what did she say? She sat up there at the BET Honors and another um, platform that, that was uh, 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 celebrating uh, black excellence. And she said, this is not for y'all. And when I tell you, I text her phone, I say, girl, I say, if you don't say it louder for the people in the bag, mm-hmm. this was never for y'all. And y'all took this and made this and snowballed this into something else. And that's what they do. They mm-hmm. look at what's trending. Mm-hmm. And you have a lot of celebrities, especially the younger generation that is in the music industry. They get together today and tomorrow they have two or three kids and wonder why you don't even know this person. Mm-hmm. Both of y'all are acting. You don't even know what this is. And now you have kids with them and they going live. He hit me. He put me out of his house. He did this. He did. This. And it's just like we are watching them unravel and try to grow up right mm-hmm. on the shade room. And it's mm-hmm. awful. And mm-hmm. we have to unlearn what has been taught to them mm-hmm. as far as um, ideal success. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you know, someone asked me, I was on a television show um in I think 2019 and someone asked me what does success look like and I said it was wealth and she was like that's what I'm talking about baby the finest and this and that I said no love knowledge <laughs> <laughs> knowledge boo <laughs> you know this is not even about money I mean mm-hmm. because lord a mind a mind could get you in rooms money can't 
because, you know, being able to be quick, you know, um, very sharp minded to have that emotional intelligence that I speak of so, so much because it brings forth where people don't even know when you have a poker face, don't, can't even read you. So they can't, you know, um, beat you. You know what I mean? And I, I think about people like Muhammad Ali. Um, he was very, oh my God, I love him to death. Um, you know, RIP to the champ always forever. Um, and you know, his principles and, and things in life and how he looked at things. And we don't, we don't do that. You know, and we don't sit down and, and, and the younger parents, they don't sit down and correct them because they want to be friends. They want to be friends. I had a situation where um, 11 and 12 year old were on Instagram in the city of New Orleans and they were holding up weapons. And we got in touch with the mom, with the community, and I brought my people in. And some of them are on the are on here tonight listening. And um, we had two calls and it started to phase out because the mom, the accountability. We went right down her Instagram. She in Las Vegas. Um, yeah, you know, um, I'm gonna do what I'm gonna do. And it was a post that was um object uh, objectified to a man that she was dating. And so she was retaliating that she went to Las Vegas with this man that was supposed to be with another woman. And your two children are on Instagram. Not one, your two children. But you are gaining by being in Las Vegas with a man and you want to show another woman. So what you think is happening while she's in Las Vegas and them children at home raising themselves? With those raggedy pistols that they had on Instagram, them rusty guns where they're gonna fall apart if they do pull a trigger. They wasn't even up the part, but that's not important. But what I'm saying is, where did they get that from? They got that from somebody, they got that from somewhere. And and you know, all her kids, she had like nine kids, and like five of them was in the juvenile justice system. And I'm saying that to say. When we tried to meet with her and be that village, very mild, we were we all because we already know very mild because we didn't want to lose her. Very supportive and know how to do this work and in this line of work, you know. Mm -hmm. And we tried to have that conversation and it phased out because she didn't want to change and she didn't want to hold them accountable. Mm -hmm. And they still at it. And, you know, and that's the sad part about it. You know, everybody not going to be right, but we have to do the best that we can to make sure that we can, you know, at least get who we can save. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's the that's the type of situations that we deal with when we think about respect. You know, the parents are not even demanding respect from their own children. They curse them out. Mm -hmm. They do the TikTok just like they were saying. What's the TikTok that that was uh viral? Slap your mama, slap your grandma. Oh yeah, those mm -hmm. type of things. Yeah, all right. Mm -hmm. you, you, right. You know, and and we play too much, and I think that um putting down those phones and deactivating those social media accounts and picking up that book and understanding um more than who. MLK was and Malcolm X. That's the only thing, and that's the only people they could tell mm -hmm. you for yeah. black history. The mm -hmm. top four Rosa Parks, you Parks. know, people like that. Not even know John Lewis because he just died. They didn't know him before. You know, <laughs> exactly. things, right. Things like that. They had a whole second line for Betty White, you know, mm -hmm. the Golden Girl. They had a whole mm -hmm. second line in New Orleans for Betty, you know, things of that nature. And mm -hmm. just understanding 
that I had a lot of people even grown on social media that was serious that when the Underground Railroad and Harriet came out, they were very upset about the movie because they was looking for the Underground Railroad. And they were serious because at first I was like, okay, maybe, you know, the sarcasm, you know, we find mm -hmm. They were serious and they didn't understand that it was an operation. Again, we perish from a lack of knowledge. Knowledge, yep. Yep, 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 yep. Yeah. So just, you know, stepping away and demanding more from ourselves and, and accountability of the people that we run with. Because I talk to my tribe. What are your goals? What are you doing? What, how can I support you? What you have going on for the next six months? If somebody tell me nothing, look, you know how black people be. Oh, let me call. Let me call you right back. Let me let me, let me call you when I cut this light off. Let me call you when I drink this cold drink. Mm -hmm. Let me call you back mm -hmm. when I get alone. Because baby, I'm done. Because you mm -hmm. have to have something moving forward. You have to be doing something. That's a fact. No matter how old we are, the goals should not stop. And we should always, you know, reach for higher. Even in a pandemic, we could take our rest. We could do what we need to do. But mm -hmm. still, you know, we should be demanding more from the people in our families um, in a sense of how we move forward together collectively. Because this is a collective work. Mm -hmm. Community. Unity. Yep. yep. Facts, 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 facts. You know? Mm-hmm. Awesome, awesome. Thank you, Lakita. This has been an awesome, awesome, awesome show. Um, before we cut, though, I want to thank everyone for joining us. I also want to remind everybody, if you are listening to the replay, follow us on YouTube at He Said What. Click the like and subscribe and share with your friends and family. Also share this on all media platforms as well. Um, Lakita, before I let you go, we're definitely not to make, make the time to have you come back on the show, um, hopefully this year. Um, but before we let you go, please let our guests know how they can follow you. Also, guys, she has a product called Gray Sweatpants um, that I'm going to have you talk about because I'm going to write the information to get it. It is something that is not what you think when you hear Gray Sweatpants. Miss Lakita, the floor is yours. All right. So, guys, um, through my nonprofit organization, A Better Love Film Society, I wanted to do something different during the height of the pandemic. So I got with my team and I was like, what can we do? And I love, love, love um, self-indulging and self-care. So I was like, let's create a candle. And so we did. And so the first candle that we came out with is called Resilient Period. Because one thing about anybody that have any hints of their skin, we know how to pivot and we know how to stay strong through the odds, the ends and everything in between. Right. Mm -hmm. And so um, I do have I got to show you because it's so weird with this. So this is resilient period. And so what we did, we taking a break because of the pandemic and everything that was going on. I wanted to make sure that you receive the same quality and the organic products that I was using before. The shipment delays was crazy and I, the demand was crazy for the candles. So we're going to be relaunching in June. So make sure that you follow me at educator underscore Bella on Instagram and ABL Society on Instagram for updates on this candle. Also, this is the <laughs> I'm trying to be censored. This is what I <laughs> this is the black mamba. So this big baby right here, this one right here, right here. This is 
gray sweatpants. And so just so you know, it is a soy luxe um, that we use. Everything is all organic. <laughs> and I don't know if you can see it. And it has a wooden wick. So it, it smells amazing. And um, this is uh, one of our number one sellers, especially um, during Valentine's um, wintertime as well. And we also have the travel tents. And so I make everything myself. And I mean, if you can see it, let's see if you can see it. Okay. Is, is it better? Is it better? Yeah, yeah I can see okay. it. I don't know. If okay. Okay. So it's very rich and very creamy. And this also is um, a wooden wig. And all of our products um, goes towards our nonprofit. And, you know, we put it right back into community through scholarships. And we also just teamed up with Color Change. And um, we bagged 200 um, care packages for Black women. So when you buy candles and support the organization, you are reinvesting in, into your community, um, people of color. So yeah, we do a lot. We did Hurricane Ida. We did like, oh my God, so many different things um, with Hurricane Ida relief. We hosted over 70 events and um, fed over a thousand people. And so we definitely, definitely um, reinvest any of those funds right back into the community. So um, you're not just buying a candle, but you blessing a life. And um, I believe in paying it forward. And that's why I'm, you know, I'm doing the work and that's why I'm here, you know. So make sure you follow me and um, the details will definitely be updated on um, social media. Awesome, y'all. Just make sure you follow her. I just followed both of hers. Um, we do have a question though, um, Kate, before I let you leave. Someone asked, before you leave, can you tell us where you get your favorite king cake from? Oh my God. <laughs> um, sadly to say, my favorite king cake came from my mother. My mother was an amazing baker and she's no longer able to do that. So at the at this time, um I pretty much pick it up from Ambrosia's bakery, um, Gambino's, anywhere in the city of New Orleans. Outside of New Orleans, I don't purchase any um, king cakes, to be honest with you. And that's only because Mardi Gras is very divisive and very racist, um, even in a multicultural part of New Orleans. So that's why all of the places that have the long lines and people are waiting, um, they don't treat black folks right and they won't get any airtime on this, um, on this, this, yeah on this interview. So definitely I will say um, the ones that I listed. Okay. And if you have any other questions um, or want me to show you, because they do have some um, black entrepreneurs that are in the bakery um, industry that are doing them in different ways. And I can, if you follow me and send me a DM um, that you want a king cake from New Orleans, I'll plug you in with some people and you can um, probably get a special order and have it shipped. Awesome, awesome. Thank you. Well, I want the candle, so ma'am, I'm gonna need y'all to hurry that up. I got you. I got you though. I've been hearing about it. I'll definitely support. So you have my number. So I got you. I got a special order for you. I got you. I got thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Lakita, once again, I am humble and appreciative of the fact that you was on here with us on She Said What. The amazing information and knowledge you gave us is definitely valuable. Um, this is definitely something for you to share with your friends and family. I know I'll probably watch the replay um, later <laughs> this week just for stuff that I know that I missed. Yeah. Um, so once again, thank you. Like I said, we're definitely going to have to have you on the show again. Um, for those you see her tags for Instagram, please, please follow this lovely queen and support her in her endeavors because um, I definitely will be doing that. Um, before we wrap up tonight, I just want to remind everybody, 
on tomorrow, you have Simply Bree and that um, B show at Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time here on YouTube on the He Said What Network. You also know on Sundays we have P's Intuition. That's 1130 a.m. Eastern Standard Time here as well. On Monday, we have Simply Sports, which you know that's with One Mike and RG and the lovely Bree. Um, that's at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time as well. Then Tuesday, we have He Said What, um, which is the brother side of She Said What, and that is done by our lovely um, leader, Bree, as well. And then, of course, you know it's yours truly on Wednesday. On Hump Day, it's She Said What at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Once again, don't forget to like and share and subscribe to He Said What Network on um, YouTube. Also, you can follow us on Instagram at He Said What Network as well. Once again, happy Wednesday. Um, thank you for being on the show, Lakita. All of you guys be safe. Enjoy the rest of your week, and we will see you next Wednesday. Okay.